Pastor Paul Boyer and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's listen to Pastor Paul as we study the Word together. My Redeemer lives. I can't get through that without crying, so I had to turn my mic off. Does your Redeemer live? What we're talking about today is creation, but the story of creation means nothing if your Redeemer does not live. If your Redeemer is dead, then there's no sense me being here this morning. My Redeemer lives. We're talking about creation this week. This is a politically charged environment. Say the word creation in school, what happens to you? Say the word creation in the office, what happens to you? Say the word creation in some churches, what happens to you? Let's define creation. What exactly is, is it we're talking about? Well, the dictionary says the act of producing or causing to exist, the act of creating, engendering, the fact of being created. Goes on to say something that has been created. And I love this one. The original bringing into existence of the universe by God. In a secular dictionary. I said amen, did a little dance. That's the English word for creation. In Hebrew, it's interesting. The Hebrew word used here is bara. I love that word. It's like hoorah. It's, yeah, let's get excited. Bara. God, bara. Right? In the beginning, bara. There it was. God created it. What's interesting about it is the Hebrew word carries so much more theological significance than our word for creation. Because in English, creation could be the latest creation from Paris. Okay? Eh, barah! It carries so much more significance because it's only used to talk about creation by God. Nowhere else in the Bible is the word barah used outside of the context of creation by God. Now there are other Hebrew words that are similar to make, to bring into being. None of them are referring to the creation of the universe but the word bara. It's, it's a technical term. It suggests cosmic material creation from nothing. And, but it's more. Because it communicates the sovereign power of God who originates and regulates all things for His glory. That's what we're talking about when I'm talking about creation. I'm talking about Barah. I'm talking about God creating everything for His glory. Now we have in our world an argument about creation. There's a secular view, and there's a theological view. Now, the secularist will tell you that creation is a myth. 
The theologians will tell you that creation is everything. My objective today is to ask you to make a decision. Which side are you going to fall? Because when you think about it, there really is no middle ground. You're either for us or you're against us. Okay? Think about that, and I'll explain that in a minute. In the Christian community, we have a discipline called apologetics. The intent of apologetics is to make rational, logical argument for the things of God. You've got Ravi Zacharias, Josh McDowell, um, Lee Strobel. There's a whole field of apologists. They're making an argument about the things of God where creation is not wrong and evolution is not right in this context or gay marriage or any other, any other secular worldview. The apologists are arguing. It's a wonderful discipline and I find it fascinating and, and if you know me you'll, love, you'll know that I love nothing more than a good argument. So let's talk about a couple of things. Let's, let's go do some apologetics for a second. What about creation versus the Big Bang? What do you think of that? I gotta tell you, I'm all for the Big Bang. I am 100% on board with the Big Bang theory. I believe God spoken, bang, it happened. So I'm cool with Big Bang, that doesn't bother me a bit. What they're trying to do, and what science so often does, is explain how God did what he did. Now, I've heard an argument that the Red Sea didn't really, well, okay, it wasn't a miracle that the Red Sea parted because the wind was blowing, you see, at exactly the right velocity, from exactly the right angle, at exactly the right time, and it blew the water back, and, okay, you described to me the mythology of it. You described to me how God did what he did. Doesn't distract from the miracle. Okay, so maybe the wind did blow the water out of the way so the, so the nation of Israel could cross the Red Sea and escape from the Egyptians. The miracle is that he did it, that the wind blew exactly at the right time, the right place, the right speed, right when they needed it. So go ahead. Use your scientific method to explain the Bible. Hurt me. I love it. Do it. Okay, let's get into this one. Creationism versus evolution. Now we could talk, I could stand up here and talk for hours about creation versus evolution. And I could give you statistics. And I could tell you that it's a 1 to 10 to the 27th power. Where's Terry? How many zeros is that? A bunch. Terry's going to tell us how, what that number is. It's a tidecohedra, whatever. Anyway. 1 to the 27th power. That means that you've got the number 1 with 28 zeros behind it, right? 27 zeros behind it. I got a, I got a D. Okay. She was, she was scowling at me. Anyway. Picture that number. That's the chance that the 250 amino acids required to make one cell are going to line up in the right order. But it happened by accident. Okay. I, I'm not going to make that argument. I could but I'm not going to. I could make the argument that evolution has never been able to demonstrate an evolutionary change across species. 
Okay? Horses don't look like horses used to. I'll give you that. But a horse isn't going to become an elephant. So we can make that argument if I chose to. But that's not where I'm going. We could go on and on and on about the evolutionary theory and all the holes in it. And we could, put, we could poke holes in it all day long. But it comes back to a bigger argument than that. What is this? This is the Bible. What's in here? The Word of God. Is the Word of God true? Do we believe it's true? Is it all true? Is it inerrant? No. You're not a deacon anymore, man. You're fired. Yes. What does the Word of God say about evolution? Nah. The Word of God says that God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, now I can't explain why we have dinosaur fossils. I mean, we can discuss it. I can't explain why a lot of things that you can show from the scientific record are not in the Bible. I can't, to be honest. I can't explain it all to you. I can make a reasonable argument, but when it all comes down to the end of it, what's left? Faith. That's what's left. This is what happens if you go to the left, to use, a, use political symbology. If you latch on to evolution as your explanation for the creation of the world, you have to, by definition, deny that there was a creator. Correct? And if there was no creator, then there was no God. And if there is no God, then there's no truth. There's no moral compass. We can all do whatever we want. If you follow the path of evolution, you've taken God out of the equation, you've taken truth out of the equation, you've made a lie of this book. And if the book is wrong about creation, it's wrong about everything else, isn't it? You've taken away absolute truth. You've taken away a moral compass. Every man is free to do what's right in his own eyes. So what do you end up with? You end up with genocide, racial cleansing, abortion on demand, the breakdown of society, the death of the family. We're not talking about if we evolve from apes here. We're talking about is the Word of God true? And do we have a moral compass? And is there absolute truth? Are there standards that we have to live by? That's what we're talking about. I don't care about if I evolve from a monkey or not. That's beside the point. The real question here is, did I belong to God? On the other hand, if you, if you go to the right when you take this fork in the road, 
Place your faith in the Word of God and the Scripture. Where does that take you? It takes you to God. It takes you to absolute truth. It takes you to a strong moral compass. It takes you to love and compassion and caring and hope and heaven. So when this discussion comes up, are you a creationist or an evolutionist? Ask yourself this. Which of these two paths do I want to follow? It's not about the scientific evidence. It's about truth. Faith versus pragmatism. That's the question. The video talked about the very same God who holds the, it all in orbit will reach for the weary and the broken. That's the God I want. I want the God with the power to create the universe to reach into my life and heal me when I need healed. To reach down and pick me up when I fall. I want that same God to welcome me home. Because if that's not true, and evolution is true, and the Bible is wrong, then I exist on this earth as long as my genes say I will, unless I'm hit by a bus, or fall off my motorcycle, whatever. I'm on this earth using up resources, pumping carbon into the atmosphere, and destroying the ozone layer, then I'm dead and gone and it was for nothing. You know what my legacy will be? Kids and grandkids just like me. And I've got to hope there's more than that. If evolution is true, I'm doomed. There is nothing out there for me. I've got no hope. And when I die, the lights go out and I take the dirt nap and we're done. Now that's encouraging. Kevin Lehman was one of the speakers at uh, D6 and he's, he's excellent he's a psychologist Christian psychologist and he's also certifiably insane this man is he's crazy and don't do it I'm watching Dave um, he didn't say it this time but I've heard him say it before and he, he has this little voice he uses he, uh, little Johnny in science class says okay little Johnny you're the result of an accident cosmic accident everything is lined up you have no meaning you have no purpose and there is no God that cares about you it's all evolution so it was a cell and then it was a monk you know a fish and then a monkey and and, and you're 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 an accident okay time's up everybody go to self-esteem class now I have to believe that I'm not an accident I have to believe that God wanted me to be here today telling you this and so before the universe was born Wow, he had a plan. That's what I have to believe. If not, it's all hopeless and lost and we're wasting our time talking about it. So to wrap, you know, to talk about that is pointless. Because when it all comes down to it, this isn't an intellectual argument, is it? This is a spiritual argument. If God created the heavens and the earth... The way the scripture says, he created it as, a, as an ultimate display of love for us, human beings, his ultimate creation. So if, if, if that's true, 
The reason that we're here is to move closer to God. And coming to God can only happen through a change of heart, not a change of mind. Now, I can make all the theological arguments I want, and I want to read you something. I'm in John chapter 3. If you want to follow along with me. John chapter 3, verse starting in verse 1. We're talking about a change of heart versus a change of mind. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man from the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? They were the religious teachers of the time. They knew the Scripture. They knew the law. The Pharisees were the intellectuals. Named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night, which is telling, and we won't go into that, but he had to kind of sneak out and go visit Jesus so his friends wouldn't see him. Rabbi, we know you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform the signs that you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? Now he's sarcastic. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I have told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus says, how can these things be? Verse 10, you are a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? Jesus replied, I assure you we speak what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. Verse 12, if I have told you about things that happen on earth and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you things of heaven? It's not an intellectual exercise. Nicodemus knew the Scripture. He knew the prophecies of Isaiah. It would, Jesus didn't try to change his mind. Jesus tried to change his heart. It's an, not an intellectual exercise. Let's talk about the creation story a little bit. I'm not going to read it to you. I'm making a point here, so please bear with me. The creation story, starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to just do the, I'm going to do the, uh, the uh, message Bible version of it. Paraphrase a whole lot. On day one, God created light and separated light from darkness, and he saw that it was good. On day two, God separated water from water, created the sky... He didn't, he didn't comment on its goodness, which is interesting. On day three, God created the earth and the sea, and he saw that it was good. He created plants and vegetations, and he saw that that was good. On day four, God created the sun and the moon and the stars, and he saw that it was good. On day five, God created fish and all sea creatures and birds, and he saw that it was good. And for the first time, God spoke a blessing. He blessed them and 
commanded them to multiply and fill the entire earth. On day six, something extraordinary happened. God created all the livestock and all the living things from aardvarks to zebras. And he saw that it was good. And he was done. He picked up his lunch pail and he went home. No. He did all that to do this. In verse 26 through 31, God created man. And what did he say about it? He said it was very good. You see, the creation story builds from nothing to us. We are the culmination of God's creation. All that went before was created for us to bring us into communion with God. God created the heavens and the earth so we would have a place to live. So we could communicate with Him and share in His glory. The heavens and the earth were created as supreme acts of love for who? For us. Let's look at Genesis 1.26 again. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock of all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created him male and female. Let us make man in our image. Who is us? Let us make... Who, who's God talking to? Do you think the Trinity was alive and well and working in heaven? Who do you think God was talking to? He was talking to Jesus. He said, let us, let us create man in our own image. Man was created in the image of God. Now, that's, that's telling. What does it say? Man was created in the image of God. Like a statue or a painting. We're not God. We're an image of God. We're a representation of God. A created thing. Something like God, but not God. Contrast that with John chapter 1. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing that was created that has been created. And if you jump down to verse 10, it says, He was in the world. The world was created through Him, yet the world did not recognize Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, He gave the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but by God. The word was made flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father. The creator. All things were created through him. Wow. Let us make man in our image. The Son was with God, and through Him all things were created. Jesus is the creator of all things. 
We are creations. He is the creator. So who do we to worship? Worship belongs to God. Believing in Jesus and his redemptive work enables true worship of the creator. Money, science, philosophy, political figures, sports heroes, you name it, are all potential objects of worship and are inappropriate. These are the created, not the creator. So who do we worship? Let's look at John 3.16. John 3.16. For God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only Son, so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world that he might condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he was not believed in the name of the one and only Son. Now, the Holman says one and only Son. The King James Version uses what word? Only begotten Son. Just as Barah carried more theological significance than than creation... I think that begotten carries more of the original theological intent than the word, than the phrase one and only. And I'll explain why. To beget means to to be like myself, to create something like oneself, to beget. Jesus is the only begotten son. Now didn't we just read scripture that says anyone that believes in him will be sons of God? But Jesus is the only begotten one. He is the only begotten Son of God. So that means that Jesus must be of the same stuff as God, right? Only a cat can beget a cat, or a horse can beget a horse. And it goes on. So even though the physical man, Jesus, was born of a human mother, he was the begotten by God making him the same stuff as God. Jesus was and is the God-man. Because only a man could redeem us. And only a perfect man could be a perfect sacrifice. Since God was not created, neither was Jesus, since they're the same stuff. We are created beings in the image of God. Jesus is the uncreated God and therefore worthy of our worship. So what does this all mean? Let me summarize a little bit for you. God created the heavens and the earth, the universe and all that's in it to demonstrate his power and his glory and also as an expression of his love The very complexity of the creation demands a creator. Listen to this quote. I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon earth and be an atheist. But I cannot conceive how he can look up into the heavens and say there is no God. Abraham Lincoln. Fellowship with God is and always will be an act of faith, not intelligence. The heavens themselves cry out to the glory of God. God is the creator. Man is the created. 
True worship is the worship of the Creator, not the created. So what do you take away from this? This is what I challenge you to do. This is what I'm asking. I want you to examine yourself and ask yourself, who, whom, or what do I worship? Then ask yourself who the Son of God is. And then ask yourself who the Son of God is in your life. Because you may know who the Son of God is, but does your heart know it? Determine His place in your life. Place your worship on the one to whom it belongs, Jesus, the one and only, the Redeemer, the Creator, the Savior, the Messiah. You know what? I can do that. You know why? Because I know my Redeemer lives. Let's pray. Lord, creation is the root of everything. The Bible doesn't start with the creation story by accident. The creation story tells us in just a few sentences who you are and what you value. Creation tells us that you are God and we are not. But you value us enough to make us the pinnacle and the culmination of your creation. You tell us that all things were done, that were done, as an expression of your love for us. So we ask, Lord, that you open our hearts and our minds to that. Let us get a handle on what you would have us see here and internalize it. Make it part of who we are, not just what we know. As we pass through the secular world that will deny you and deny creation, There are many of us that are going to have to sit in science classrooms and regurgitate the foolishness of man to pass the test, to get moved on to the next grade or to get our degree. Lord, let that maintain, let's maintain a wall between our minds and our hearts. Don't let this penetrate to who we are in you. We ask that you touch each and every soul that has heard this message today with the truth of who you are and what you say and the inheritance of your word. Be with us and guide us. In the name of my Redeemer, amen. So now I ask you to just take a couple of minutes while they sing. Think about who you are. Are you a created thing? Are you the, are you the creator? Who is worthy of your worship? Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360.
622-9360, or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.